from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour, and we're pleased to welcome in Miriam Sammartino, who is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities here in the Diocese of Sacramento, Catholic Charities and Social Concerns. Miriam, good day to you. Good day to you, Bob. I always forget the social concerns, of which <laughs> of which there are many <laughs> these days. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there are. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you, you could spend your entire workday just listing all the social concerns that there are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it's... Um, Definitely keeps me on my toes. Yes, yes, I'll bet, I'll bet. Miriam, just, I know we, we get new listeners every day, and tell us just a little bit about yourself and, and what the Executive Director of Catholic Charities and Social Concerns uh, does. Yeah, so um, I've been now in this role for over a little over a year, and uh, I really play two, two roles. One is... Um, serve as bishop liaison to our several Catholic Charities agencies um, throughout our diocese, so there are a total of five of them. And then the other part of my role is um, to really move forward a lot of the issues, the social concerns issues, and that includes, you know, anti-racism, the detention ministry, um, the Dawson Immigrant Support Network, um, disaster response, care for creation, social justice, and then we sprinkle in a little bit of advocacy in there as well. So you're kind of the church's FEMA organization. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and, and you're trained as a lawyer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, licensed here in California and used to practice um, in Solano County, and I had my practice, and I focused on child custody and immigration. Mm-hmm. And wh- where are the five uh, regions, if you will, here in the Diocese of Sacramento? Uh, so the five Catholic charities that we have, um, so we span from Catholic charities in Yolo Solano, which covers mm-hmm. those two counties, and then we have Sacramento Food Bank Family Services here in Sacramento County, and then um, we also have the Rancho Cordova Food Locker, mm-hmm. um, obviously located in Rancho Cordova, over I think uh, John Vianney's parish, and then we have Mother Teresa Maternity Home and the Upper Room Dining Hall. In Placerville. Yes. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. And really hitting a lot of different areas of concern. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then the other piece, really, um, which I, I truly enjoy, just getting to meet so many um, parishes, uh, our ministries and our parishes. Um, so the social justice, care for creation, anti-racism really spans the entire diocese. And it, it's incredible to get to know so many people, right, in our parishes who are working on such important issues, Um so it's just that that has been probably the the funnest part so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just getting to know what their what their needs are, what they're trying to do, how they're bettering their community, and really how uh, I can support and we can support it as a diocese. So. The care for creation. How has Laudato C affected that? Um, well, it does bring a different conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's actually really exciting right now. You know, we do have a monthly newsletter that goes out. Um, a lot of the ministries, because of the the, the different uh, environmental challenges that we see throughout the diocese, every ministry is a little different, right? So um, in Sacramento County, we'll see solar panels. Uh, in the more urban areas, we'll see concerns about, you know, the flood and, and the drought that we are mm-hmm. experiencing. 
Um, and I think actually this Sunday or one of these weekends, um, I'm going to go up to Grass Valley. They're going to be showing uh, the Letter Film, which is uh, put together through various organizations, um, including the Vatican. And it really highlights you know, how important um, Pope Francis' encyclical Laudato Si is to mm-hmm. the message to the world. You know, so exciting times. So do you have good tires on your car? <laughs> <laughs> I do, luckily. I'm very fortunate. But, uh, you know, make sure I have a good podcast going yes. in the car. There, there's only 20 counties that in, in this diocese of Sacramento, so it's one of the one of the biggest. Around. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, I haven't visited every county yet. Um, that was my goal my first year. I haven't had the opportunity, so it's still on my to do list. To do you have, do you have a map with where you put a little pin? Uh, you know where where you visited. Yeah, I should do like a little advent calendar, right? Yeah, yeah I have a I have a California map where it is divided into counties and. I, it's just fascinating to see the different geography and the different cities and and just how how diverse this state and the different sizes of the different counties. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's just a lot of fun just to look at it. But and twenty of the fifty eight counties in California are in the diocese of Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, with the recent storms, you yeah. just start seeing right. Um, how every parish and every community has been impacted, yep. and just making sure that we're meeting those needs. Yeah. So the the uh, this is Poverty Awareness Month. Um, yes. Uh, a lot of great materials put out by the, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, poverty has so many different faces. Talk a little bit about poverty here in 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 Sacramento and how you, the Catholic Charities and 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 the rest of us out here can uh, sort of participate in trying to alleviate that? Yeah, so poverty here in our, our diocese, in our, our 20 counties, uh, can be can look very different. It can be experienced very differently. But um, the, the common theme is that um, there are a lot of circumstances in our lives and in the way that we have our institutions structured um, in our state that unfortunately does not allow a family or a person to really enjoy and thrive, you know, in their life. So um, anywhere from food insecurity to um, job uh, opportunities to housing to access to medical care, child care, transportation, right? Kind of the things that if you look at your day-to-day, what you do from when you wake up to when you come back home, um, if, you know, if you are fortunate to have a home to come back to, Every single activity that you do is actually linked to one of the causes of poverty, right? Um, being able to get in my car and drive to uh, the many parishes that we have in our diocese, not a lot of people can do that. And if you don't have that ability to drive, mm-hmm. um, how are you going to get your child to school? How are you going to get to work on time? Do you have access to education? You know, What's accessible around you? Do you have a grocery store that has nutritious food options? Um, so there are a lot of... And, you know, it impacts your housing, right? The lower income uh, that you have, unfortunately, will lead to housing maybe in a not-so-safe neighborhood or in a home that's maybe less habitable um, and may cause health concerns. It may be in a neighborhood where there's no trees. So when there's mm-hmm. heat, you have a higher temperature in your neighborhood. So um, it's what the Catholic Campaign for Human Development um, describes as the poverty, the web of po- poverty and uh, if you go on to povertyusa.org, which is um, the USCCB's page on poverty, 
so much data and just trying to understand what is poverty, right? Because it impacts every single part of your life. Amen. Yeah, it's, it, it's amazing. You know, you hear about food deserts and, and then you, you think about some of the cities you've been in and you go, yeah, they're, we went a long ways without seeing a single grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of grocers don't want to go into certain areas, uh, whether it's, um, you know, the, the, where the income's lower because they're not going to make, make as much profit. Yeah, yeah, it, and, it, and you don't think about it, right? But um, I was watching a, a video of a mother who, you know, after paying all of her expenses, only had $50 left, and she did a video showing this is what happens when you have $50 left. You go to the Dollar Tree or your local discount store, and yep. you try to make the best. You stretch yep. that money as best you can, right? And obviously going to the food <laughs> banks um, to get support. And, and that's where our charities really step in. Um, all of our charities have anti-poverty programming right that's really the the, their mission and so how do you one meet the person where they are right the situation that they're facing the challenges that they have connect them to the appropriate resources but then also get to know them and see where else can where can we improve right where can we connect to traditional resources so that um, you are able to have a better job maybe you are able to access child care you are able to access health care how do you move and walk with a family through that transition, which is very difficult. Yeah, you know, the the food banks, you know, especially Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services, which now just is just gigantic in terms of of their caseload and and the the amount of food they put out. You know, and long, long ago, it used to be more about calories. And now, I mean, it's still about calories and making (laughs) sure people have, have, you know, enough to alleviate their hunger. But there's really an emphasis on nutrition. Right, and, and I think that was something that was noticed, especially in the hospitals, right, mm-hmm. where um, if you don't have nutrition, it's going to lead to health conditions. And it seems obvious, but a, a lot of times, you know, as we are creating social service programs or trying to address some of the needs, we kind of forget that logic. Um, and so, again, just going back to whatever you need as a person during your day to feel stable, that's what our... Um, safety net has to provide for others when it's not available. Uh, and that's why it's so important to, to be uh, involved in advocacy and it's just understanding, right, what the proposed legislation, how will that impact someone's life? Um, I think during the last legislative session, we had um, a bill where we wanted to increase the amount of funding available to, to build affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, oh, well, that doesn't seem connected to poverty, but it is, right? Because if a nonprofit organization doesn't have enough money to build affordable housing, we're not going to get housing. Right. Um, and so that type of legislation increased the funding, and hopefully that will lead to more housing, affordable housing being built in our communities. So um, just you know, kind of reading through, just uh, being well-formed uh, right, in our conscience on what is it that um, we're voting for, what is being presented, and how is it impacting um, the common good. And, and that's really what the uh, Poverty Awareness Month is focusing on this year, solidarity, like working towards that common good so that all of us can thrive. Do you, do you work closely with the California Catholic Conference on, when, when it comes to advocacy? I do, yeah. Um, and I think it, it's been a wonderful relationship um, and it's it's exciting to think about how can we continue to educate 
um, our Catholic community to pray for, for the changes that are needed so that people and families and children and women who are facing challenges can, can feel supported. Um, and that's something that's very positive, right? How do we really support everybody, especially women and children and families who are, you know, being, and seniors as well, you know, and those who are disabled, those who sometimes don't have the ability to, to move, right, so easily. They're just kind of, because of the, the poverty web that we talked about earlier, it's harder to move and improve their life. There's a, a, a good, good website I'd recommend to people uh, from the USCCB, PovertyUSA.org, uh, yes. to learn more about poverty in your community and how we can uh, work together to help upend the uh, cycle of poverty. Again, PovertyUSA.org. Miriam, it's also, uh, we're nearing the end of the uh, week of Christ, for Christian unity here in uh, Sacramento area. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, this is also, right, it's, it's nationally recognized uh, with the Prayer for Christian Unity, and um, our local partner is the North State Ecumenical um, Council, which uh, several of our deacons participate in, and uh, every year they host a, a wonderful event. They bring wonderful speakers, and this year they had our own Father Bart Landry, mm-hmm. who leads our Black um, Catholic ministry, and really the goal is to, you know, unite as Christians, you know, as Christ has called us to unite, and um, we have a lot of things in common, and together, you know, we do have that common good, right, the the, the same desire um, to love one another and to support each other, so together as Christians, we, we, we do have a, a, a united mission as, as well as a powerful voice. Very good, very good. So, <clears throat> anything you want to uh, leave our listeners with? Um, I, I would encourage, you know, keep checking out our Facebook and Instagram. If you're not on social media, that's okay. Um, our website's also been updated, so um, we're trying to be very good at updating our, our sites to make sure we have our newsletters, to stay in touch with our ministry leaders, um, because, again, that's what my role is, to support ministries um, and see, you know, what changes we can make um, to our community. Very good. Miriam, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks so much for all you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Thank you, Bob. Much appreciated. That's Miriam San Martino, who is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto is back from the Philippines, but he uh, he issued some wonderful dispatches while he was there. I'll share one of them with you now, which was his, his first one, in case you... Uh, have have missed them, and if, if you'd like to read all of them, they are on the uh, diocesan website, <clears throat> scd.org. Uh, these are dispatches from Bishop Jaime Soto in the Philippines. He writes, Yesterday, with about 32 members of the faithful from the Diocese of Sacramento and two of my brother priests, I arrived in the, arrived in the bustling capital of the Philippines, Manila, It is good to come back to this Asian Pacific archipelago. There has been much rumination these days around flights delayed and canceled due to circumstances of nature, technology, and human foibles. Our arrival in the Philippines had been delayed by two years. The original plan was to come to this cluster of islands tucked between Southeast Asia and Australia in 2021 to participate in the 500th anniversary of Christian evangelization coming to the inhabitants of these places. The COVID-19 global pandemic put this aspiration on pause, first for one year, then two. 
Some of those who make up the current band of pilgrims waited out the long viral eclipse. In the meantime, that's a great term, the viral eclipse. In the meantime, others gladly joined in the opportunity to explore the amazing, rich religious heritage of the Philippines. Manila does not have much charm. It shares the sprawling, alienating, garish chaos of most urban sectors in developing nations. I don't hesitate to say that after finding more than enough concurrence among many Filipinos, the global grip of a culture promoted as well as created by technology flashes, blinks, wails, honks, and grinds in major megalopoly from Mexico City to Lima to Ho Chi Minh City, Kolkata, and Manila. With little exaggeration, there's not much difference between them except for the languages. I do not suggest that anyone not born there attempt to drive in Manila. The logic of maneuvering through the streets and highways of the city's constant congestion defies comprehension. I left the driving to those who obviously knew the code of when to stop, go, honk, or shout out the window. This may not seem like a tranquil transition into a religious pilgrimage, but the first impressions, jarring judgments, eventually give way to rhythms and patterns that reveal the soul of a people. Manila has a long history as a trading post. Even before Magellan met his demise on the island of Cebu, the people of the Philippine Islands were already trading with Asia. With the arrival of the Spaniards to the Manila Harbor, a new chapter of globalized trading began that would forever change the course of the Philippines and the whole world. Porcelain, silk, silver, potatoes, chocolate, tobacco, as well as diseases and bugs would be swapped among Asia, Latin America, and Europe along the shores of the Manila Harbor. These are the words of Bishop Soto, the the first dispatch from his five dispatches during his pilgrimage uh, to uh, the Philippines. On one of the shores of that harbor, the bishop goes on, was built the Spanish walled settlement that today is called Intramuros, inside the walls. There was an ancient military garrison that had served four conquering nations, Spain, the United States, and Japan. Then United States resumed control after World War II. The quiet and picturesque colonial spaces betrays the turmoils, treacheries, ambitions, and global rivalries witnessed by the mute stones and exotic tropical foliage that now commands the stately plazas and quaint courtyards. Part of the Manila's intramuros intramuros is the cathedral. The monumental Catholic cathedral does not have the age of the other buildings of of this historical sector of the city. Due to the Second World War, it had to be rebuilt and so continue the church's mission in the midst of history's unending cycles of strife, conflict, destruction, and rebuilding. In my two previous trips to the Philippines, I had not the chance to view the interior of the cathedral. This time, the organizers fortunately finagled the opportunity to offer the first mass of the pilgrimage in the crypt of the archbishops of Manila. Not all the bishops who have served the people of Manila were buried in the crypt. There were only the most recent five, starting with the one who rebuilt the cathedral after the war. Here was a quiet haven from the whirl of noise and frenetic business of the nation's capital. There is much to the religious and pastoral heritage of the Filipino church, but the crypt bears witness to a part of that heritage, an important dimension of the church. It was comforting as well as inspiring for me to be with these brothers who led the church through wars, revolutions, guerrilla movements, and the precarious predicaments of the global economy. The Eucharist was the compass for these pastors and their people. I hope the same for us as we begin, as we begin this Filipino pilgrimage. Again, you can 
read all of uh, Bishop Soto's uh, dispatches from the Philippines uh, at the diocesan website, scd.org. That's Sacramento Catholic Diocese.org, scd.org. We'll take a quick break, back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, They're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, James, for that wonderful introduction, and thanks for all the uh, Choral Society and Orchestra does, and also uh, uh, the great choirs at uh, Sacred Heart Parish as as well. Uh, the uh, We're pleased now to welcome in uh, Moises De Leon, Associate Director for Family and Respect Life Ministry. Moises, good to hear your voice. Hello, Bob. It's great to, uh, to be here. Well, you were not here in front of us, so we miss you. We, yeah. we miss seeing your, your smiling face, but uh, um, we trust you are doing the Lord's work wherever you are. Well, thank you, Bob. <laughs> Wait, a lot, a lot uh, coming up on, our, on your plate and our plate uh, in, the, in the near future, starting with uh, World Marriage Day. Uh, World Marriage Day this year would be on Saturday, February 11th, um, at 9.30 a.m., and it's going to take place at Good Shepherd in Elk Grove. So we're expecting 
uh, a good crowd this year. Uh, the, the size of the parish that we, well, I mean, the reason why we chose Good Shepherd was just because of the size of it. And I know last year we had roughly around 200 couples attend, uh, so mass was pretty packed. Uh, That's so we great. Were, we're looking at places where we're able to host uh, bigger events now as we come back from the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic. Good Shepherd's a good choice. There, there. We have some. We have some uh, some big churches, some big big parishes, um, but uh, a Good Shepherd's a great choice, and and they're they're very willing to host a lot of different events. I've done a number of events down there. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty open. Tell us a little bit about World Marriage Day. How did it come about? So, uh, World Marriage Day is usually lands on um, the weekend closest to uh, February fourteenth. Which is Valentine's Day makes sense. And it was a day to just just to recognize all the marriages that uh, exist in our in our diocese in the world. Uh, so, in order to do that uh, here in Sacramento, what we've done is uh, we've dedicated the second, usually it's the second February of the month, uh, in, in honoring our married couples who are married, uh, who are either. 10 years, 25, uh, all the way to 50 plus. And it's a great way to having them renew their vows because many times there's, there isn't any option to renew vows until a couple actually talks to their pastor. But we wanted to provide that opportunity every year for them to renew that and recognize that as they're doing their vows, of uh, renewing their vows in the process of, of the liturgy, it's enjoying that aspect of receiving those graces uh, that we once received initially when we said yes to the vocation of marriage and having that commitment again of um, just saying yes to it. I know many couples usually just attend the Mass on their anniversary, the major ones, like mm-hmm. 10 or 20 or uh, 25. Uh, but for those who are younger, they only, they only have a few years. It's a great way just to honor and to recognize that they've committed a life of vocation that is different, and it's something that we, as Catholics, have holded as a sacrament. So it's just recognizing that aspect of, of marriage, and and as we have a, a great way of promoting vocations all the time when it comes to uh, vocation weekends, um, when it comes to ordinations, it's the same thing with the world marriage, so it's having a day of just recognizing uh, our married couples out there. And that's, it's a beautiful sacrament. It's a beautiful vocation. Uh, and just encouraging others, even the family, to come and attend so they could be witness to that love that was originally decided in that first uh, wedding day. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting that uh, uh, <clears throat> most of our sacraments are just they're unique to the church, you know, the, the, the Eucharist, confession, you know, holy orders, on and on, um, confirmation, etc. But here we have a sacrament that is also a, a civil ceremony, you know, a civil ceremony recognized by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the state doesn't <laughs> sanction Holy Communion or have anything to say about it, yet uh, marriage they do, and... and uh, it's interesting because a marriage blessed by God is, it's a gift from God. Yes. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I, it's one of the sacraments that really impacts in the secular world. I mean, forming a community usually 
uh, we do that in our church through the sacrament of baptism. You join right. a bigger community. Right. Uh, and usually in, 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 in the secular world, there isn't really a joining of community until you get to marriage. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's just a, a way to connect our, what we do in our daily lives and be able to just uh, take another step further and looking at it at a spiritual level. Uh, and that's what I think that I love about sacrament marriage. I mean, besides being married and everything, um, and enjoying the vocation, it, it's the whole aspect of it, of it's the spouse's decision of doing it, and it's the sacrament among themselves. And God, is, in this sacrament, God it becomes a witness rather than the person who's celebrating the sacrament. So it's one of the unique sacraments that we have, and I'm really grateful that we have it as a sacrament in the Catholic Church. Yeah, amen. So you would prefer if people um, are coming and have a landmark that you they'd let you know, uh, just so you get a, a heads up on uh, uh, who's coming, but also because people can get a certificate. Yes. So if, if people can register ahead of time, it would be wonderful, just because on that same day uh, there's a little small reception afterwards uh, with Bishop and, and a few times of, of uh, maybe like 30 minutes or a few minutes afterwards to take photos with them. And usually we have certificates on the table so people can pick them up. If not, we have to mail them up afterwards. Uh, so if people really want to pick it up on that day, uh, it, it's preferable for us for them to register ahead of time. Uh, and like I said, you don't have to hit the, the, the milestone uh, anniversary. So even if you're five or even three years into your marriage, it's okay to come to the to the mass, bring your family, renew your vows again, uh, just wait a couple more years until you get your certificate, but at least enjoy that process of of remembering your wedding day. And and you can get a photo with uh, the bishop as well. Yes, you can. It's 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 a twofer. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, and and uh, family members are welcome. Yes, family members are welcome. I know last year we had two major families coming from Wedding and Chico. Wow. Uh, and it was one of their major uh, anniversaries. I want to say it was either 25 or 30th. Mm-hmm. And I know there was like at least 20 members of that. Oh, wow. How great. So just knowing that they're going to come and celebrate it at, at, on that day, uh, I don't know, it, it just feels really, for me, hearing that story was fantastic because it made me realize how important the Mass was and mm-hmm. the event is and how it should be continued on, just knowing the how families want to gather together. And this is a great opportunity to really show off. You know, we've, we've been together for 25 years. We've been together for 30. Uh, and sometimes it's the only time the family is able to get together to celebrate an anniversary because sometimes our anniversaries fall during the week and everything. Um, or we're not able to book a mass, particularly to receive sure. a blessing, and this is a great opportunity to have the blessing even come from bishop. Yeah, it's, this is a mass specifically for you. I can't remember uh, a mass specifically for me, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, but this is specifically for for you, for married couples, for your families. Uh, that's just a great event, and and I know it's a it's a. It's a great celebration. It, I, I hesitate to use the word fun, but it is fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's meaningful fun, if you will. So uh, 
A, a lot of other things. Are, are you involved with the theology of the body coming up? Yes, we are. Um, so this year, uh, last year we were trying to do a theology of the body conference. Uh, there was things that we had to postpone it. So we're bringing it back on this year on 17th of February. It's a little bit shorter. It's more of an evening event. We're looking at uh, roughly between 6.30 or 6 to 8.30, mm-hmm. roughly. We're going to open doors at 5.30. But part of this conversation is uh, we want the workshops for the parents to be both English and Spanish. So if language is, is uh, an issue, you can select which workshops mm-hmm. parents want to go into. Uh, so for the English side, when it comes to the parents, we're having uh, Clarissa uh, give a talk on the human love and the divine plan and a personal testimony and tips about how they can actually talk to their teens about uh, the, their sexuality and how that conversation can develop and what age is appropriate. Uh, we can have that uh, age and appropriateness conversation with your kids as well. And then we're having uh, Evan Lamoni, who he created his own um, Theology by the Institute in Mexico, uh, and it's called Amor, uh, Amar al Máximo, which is uh, love to the max. Uh, so he created a version in Spanish, uh, so he speaks both English and Spanish fluently, and he's going to give the youth talk in English regarding who am I and what do I want, hmm. and then understanding God's plan for love and sexuality. Uh, so both of these speakers are fabulous. They, they have a great um, experience and resume when it comes to the theology of the body. We have, we're fortunate that uh, Clarissa is here locally. She's from Rancho Cordova. So we have a local QB speaker, too. So the fact that she's helping us organize this and, and starting these workshops for our parents and for our youth, it's, it's just fantastic. Where will the workshop be? It's going to be held at St. John Vianney uh, in Rancho Cordova. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're just asking a small um, donation of $20 per family. Mm-hmm. And people can actually register ahead of time, or we could accept payment at the door, too. Uh, but if people want to register online, they could just go on our website, www.scd.org slash TOB. 2023. And all we ask is, because we know if you're bringing uh, any teens, teens workshop is in English. It's just selecting the workshop for the parents. If either you want to take in English or in Spanish. So that's the only option we're, we're providing on the registration form. And if they select the English one, then uh, we'll, if you bring any, any teens, your youth will automatically know they're going to go to the, to the youth workshop. And the theology of the body, that it, it's really from the teachings of uh, John Paul too, right? Yes. So he came up with uh, most of the theology when it came to that. Uh, other theologians added their own little specs to it, but he actually was the, the founder of it. Uh, and basically what JT2 came down to uh, understanding in his, in his wisdom was uh, understanding our body, how that becomes a reflection of who God is in the end. So... At the end, one of his famous quotes that he used constantly was, we're creating the same image of God. So our bodies show 
an image of what can, God can be and how God wants us to, to be loved, both uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So that really helps connect us to why were we, why were we created this way, both with our physical and personalities, uh, physical uh, abilities of doing uh, any skills, any of, anything that we do as a human being is an image of who God is. So that's one of the things that the theology body sometimes focuses a little bit on the sexuality, but expands even more on the conversation. How do I better communicate with myself? And how do I receive uh, love? How do I uh, receive welcoming from another person? And it's, it's having that conversation, even with the parents. Sometimes the lack of communication between their teens and parents can come down to how do I understand when someone loves me and how do I love someone back? And if each the parents and, and, the, and the teens understand their language of love, the communication can be fantastic between the family. But if we don't understand it, usually that's where the miscommunications uh, come in or usually there's some friction or tension. Um, and that's one of the things that we need to have a conversation about is how do we, how can we understand each other and the whole process of understanding why we were created and how we we're created through the love of God? Yeah, we are made in the image and likeness of God. <clears throat> there are times, Moises, when I look in the mirror at seven in the morning and wonder if God looks like that. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, presumably God has a sense of humor. So, <laughs> so what, what else is happening this spring? I mean, it, boy, we're, moving, we're moving like light speed toward Lent. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, I know one of the things that we're trying to uh, work on is getting speakers for our ministry days, which I know it's now in September, but we're really trying to hit those um, deadlines in order for people to know what workshops we're going to have soon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, if anyone uh, wants to actually give a workshop, just let me know. So we could actually have a conversation of what workshop would be ideal to people that we serve in our diocese and be able to do that as well. Um, I know that um, our deadline for workshops is coming around. It should be around February-ish because we would really want to launch a registration book by the end of April. So that's one of the things that I've been trying to reach out to people uh, to see if they're interested in becoming uh, speakers for our ministry days. The other thing that's coming up in, yeah, in March would be uh, the mother and daughter program. Mm -hmm. We're having two uh, sessions, one for teens and one for uh, ages between, I think it was 12 to 14. Um, at presentation. So that's coming out in March 18th of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and I should have a flyer hopefully by next week to promote uh, the event and having something uh, up on our website. And we also have uh, Father Son, right? Yes. Uh, Father Son, I know they usually do it on the same time. I I've, still haven't confirmed the date yet. Very good. Yeah. It should be in the month of March, normally. Very good. And and then uh, talk a little bit about the workshops from uh, um, 
ministry days, which is usually the last weekend of September, but um, people might not understand that there, there are a lot of different workshops, and uh, as, as lay people, uh, you, have, you have a lot to offer. That uh, and if there's some area of, of expertise or something you, you'd like to share, um, propose a workshop to the diocese. Usually workshops, we offer three different sessions throughout the whole ministry days, uh, at least on the on the Saturday day, which this year is going to be a, on the fourth Saturday of September, which is will be the 23rd. But we're looking for uh, speakers that would target our Respect Life Ministries, anything from uh, pro-life, uh, working with, people, with moms in needs, all the way to bereavement, um, and on the family side, we're looking into marriage prep or sharing best practices in case your parish has a really good program, sharing it with others as well. And when it comes to the Gable Project, providing workshops and building skills in order to help with compassion fatigue and burnout. I know these are heavy ministries that usually uh, can overwhelming so we really want to provide resources and skill building for our teams in, in, in our ministry areas um, so we're looking at for anyone maybe a therapist or, or a counselor who wants to give a, a, a class a workshop or two usually a workshop is an hour long session we usually break it down to 45 minute either lecture or talk a little uh, last 10 or 15 minutes for Q&A yeah, I've, I've done workshops a couple times and found them <clears throat> to be very valuable to me. Um, uh, I remember that, you know, they're, they're in a classroom. They're, they're, not, they're not intimidating. It's not like you're, you're addressing 500 people in a big hall. Maybe, maybe some speakers too. Um, but, uh, and we talked about the domestic church, you know, what we do at home to, to promote the faith. And, and boy, immediately there's 16 hands in the air volunteering what they do in their homes, you know, and it was just, it was just a great, great exchange of, of ideas and, and things to help, to help spread the faith and keep the faith within the family. Yeah. And one of the things that we're trying to aim for ministry days is it's open for everyone. I know. Right. Um, Sometimes people think it's just for catechists or it's just for DREs. No, it, it's open for everyone. Any ministry, uh, any, any uh, uh, laity group or diocesan movements that we have, it's open to anyone to attend. And if you're a catechist, a plus would be any hours that you're in a lecture or in a workshop, you can use it for your hours for with your renewal for your catechist uh, certification. So it's a, it's a plus for Catechist, but it's open for everyone. Yeah, and it's a, you know, there are usually over a thousand people there, and it's it's very reaffirming of the faith, too. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's nice to see all these uh, people. I remember talking to someone from Wairika who would come all the way down, you know, the 300 miles from Wairika, probably the probably the northernmost parish in, in the diocese, yeah. and um, just... Uh, full of the faith and full of great ideas and and spreading some of that small town uh wisdom if you will um to those of us in the big city it was it was really nice yeah other other things that you're working on moises uh there's a lot 
have uh, Rachel's Vineyard uh, starting up. I know we had our last retreat in November. We have a Spanish one coming up. So if anyone's interested in the Spanish one, they could attend. Uh, the dates are from 17th to the 19th of February. And we should have an English one coming up around the corner in April or in May. I'll have uh, details when I confirm with the retreat center. But we're, we're really trying to push for two workshops, I mean, two retreats in English, two in Spanish this year. And because we haven't had a Rachel's Vineyard retreat in the past year and a half or two, I, we're, we're filling up right away. So if anyone's interested in attending the retreat in English, just give us a call uh, or talk to our coordinator in order to get you on the list so that way uh, you have priority when it, when registration open up, opens up. Very good. How many people can you take at one at one session? Uh, usually we accept around 15 participants. I, I hear nothing but good things about Rachel's Vineyard. No, yes, and it's open to anyone. Uh, Rachel's Vineyard was, was started in order for people to have a healing process either through a post-abortion, but it's open to anyone who's had a miscarriage or major uh, grief uh, mm-hmm. and a loss of a family member. Mm-hmm. So it's open to mothers, to fathers, or any family member who has gone through a, a major uh, loss in, the, in, the li- in their lives. Very good. Yeah, a really, really intense program, but a very good program. And uh, are you involved in uh, uh, Fired Up? No, I'm not. That, that's our, my other colleagues, uh, uh, Alex on the... Yes, yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah, that's another great... You know, there there's so many things that happen in September, and, you know, and then the the, the ministry days, and uh, which is just... I, I, I don't know how many of the other dioceses do something similar, probably a lot of them, but this one is really spectacular. No, yeah, there's there's a lot of people there and youth that attend on that day too. And I know I know people are already making reservations for uh, World Youth Day in <laughs> yes, in August are. in uh, Lisbon. Yeah, I believe we have a group who's already confirmed to go in our diocese. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if there's still opening up other registrations, but uh, there's a handful of people going to uh, to that. This year, right, from right. And from parishes as well. Yeah, they know there's a, a sort of an official, uh, well, a, a program put together by by uh, uh, you know a travel agency, and uh, and then you can you know make your own arrangements as well. But mm-hmm. those are those are spectacular events. Moises, uh, always always a joy to talk with you. Any anything uh, you wanted to, want to uh, tell our listeners that I didn't ask you about? Um, I can't think of anything on top of my head, uh, my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's always great to talk to you. Uh, blessings to you and all all your family and uh, uh, all the great work you do here. Okay, no, thank you, Bob. It's always great to have, uh, be on the radio. No, oh, thanks so much, Moises. M- much appreciated. That's uh, Moises De Leon, who is the uh, associate director of Family and Respect Life Ministry here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, I was able to <clears throat> share a dispatch from uh, Bishop Soto in the Philippines uh, earlier in the program, and I've got 
just about enough time to share one more. He he sent five. He is back now from the Philippines, but uh, uh, was there in uh, early January, uh, early to mid January on a, on a pilgrimage uh, with a uh, uh, a group of uh, people from uh, from this area and uh, uh, thirty two members of the faithful from the diocese of Sacramento and two, as he describes it, two of his brother priests and uh, went to the, the Philippines. And this, uh, this that I'll share with you is his second dispatch, which is dated January 9. Our group left Manila last Wednesday morning to catch an early flight to Naga City on the southeast end of the island of Luzon. Departing Manila, we leave behind the urban landscape dominated by the man-made forest of steel, concrete, and glass, an inner landscape where nature's wonders push back on any human incursion. Towns emerge from the verdant forests or nestle next to lush, soaked rice fields. Rustic homes sit tucked among trees. <clears throat> what, what a different picture he painted than the, the picture uh, in Manila. Maintaining a home in these fertile surroundings requires keeping nature at bay or learning to follow the rhythms of the fluid, resilient currents of land and sea. If not, the consequences were evident from the occasional abandoned homes, Vehicles, boats littered and decaying as the vegetation covered them under a green web of boughs and branches. We move from place to place on a bus. The roads are more than a means for transporting people and products, along with the rivers and coasts that have always served as the locus for families to gather together. Roads have also become the veins and arteries for social and economic exchange. As we would rumble through each small community, lining the street was a kaleidoscope of human stories in plain view. Men at work, women busy with children and household chores, little tots playing in the puddles left by the day's downpour, awkward young romances cuddled inside the covered sidecars of motorized tricycles, elderly men surveying the scenery with a cigarette in hand. The road is an inseparable part of the families and neighbors whose front doors opened onto the highway upon which we were only a passing distraction. The roads crisscrossing under the lush green canopy of the islands are a vital social network integral to how neighbors understood their relationship to one another. The road was inseparable from their own sense of self. It was natural then that most of the roads would also lead to the church. The Filipino people savor with delight their devotion to the Blessed Mother Mary, indicative of their strong attachment to particular islands and regions of origin. They also hold a strong identification with the local manifestation of the Virgin Mother's affection. With pride and a healthy dose of hyperbole, they will claim their mother or lady is the most powerful of the most well-known. I diplomatically agreed with any such claim made to our group. We have visited two such places so far, the Basilica of Our Lady of Peña Franca in Naga City and the Shrine of Our Lady of Salvation outside Legazpi City. It was a privilege and a joy to offer Mass in both places. These are the words of Bishop Soto uh, from his pilgrimage in the Philippines. He goes on to say, The popular devotion to the Blessed Mother at both places was very palpable. Surrounding these shrines was a network of businesses and services linked to the religious sites, borrowing the names, the images, or both. Local pride and hopes for some economic good fortune find a common hope in the powerful heavenly advocate. Both images reflect the legacy of the Christian evangelization that accompanied the expansion of the Spanish colonial empire. The name for Our Lady of Peña Franca 
was probably a corruption of the name of the region from which the statue and its devotion originated, La Peña de Francia, the hills of France, most likely referring to the region around the Pyrenees mountain range separating the Iberian Peninsula from France and the rest of Europe. Our Lady of Salvation is a more curious image of the Virgin Mary. She holds the child Jesus in one arm and with the other lifts a wayward sinner from the clutches of the devil lying below her feet. The local pastor explained to the pilgrims and me some of the early controversies surrounding this image. Some theologians feared that the image made Mary the Savior and minimizing the role of Jesus. Others insisted that Mary's intercession is available to sinners because, because both she as well as the sinner are part of the one body of Christ. That Mary extends her hand to the wayward soul is only possible because she embraces her Savior Son with her other arm. Saturday's reading from the first letter of John gives weight to the latter position. Quote, we have this confidence in God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in regard to whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked for him, asked him for is ours. If anyone sees his brother sinning, if the sin is not deadly, he should pray to God and he will give him life. End of quote. These affectionate images acknowledge that closeness many Filip these affectionate images acknowledge that closeness that many Filipinos feel for Mama Maria. The image from the Gospel, Our Lady of Salvation, esteems the Blessed Mother's abiding maternal support. She also serves to remind us of the bond we have with one another as her children and members of the one body of Christ. We should lift up each other in prayer, helping one another to avoid evil and do all the good God enables us to do. That's the, uh, the second uh, dispatch from uh, Bishop Soto uh, during his pilgrimage to the uh, Philippines, and we will continue to... He sent five in all, and they're all just, just fascinating to read. And uh, for those of us who have, have never been to the Philippines, it's, uh, it's really uh, uh, remarkable uh, to, to, to follow along with the bishop. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, 
individual spiritual direction and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. I feel burning deep inside of me. I feel your speed. 